Howdy, and welcome to Old, New, Borrowed, and Blues, a podcast about songwriting. I'm your host, Jack Summers. Each month, I'm joined by a songwriter to chat about their process, inspiration, and life making music. Along the way, they play four songs. An old song, a new song, a cover song, and the saddest song they've ever written. This month's guest is Claire Delaney, a Kansas City-based singer, songwriter, and musician who has her roots in Nebraska. You might know Claire from her gig running sound at the Rhino, or from her solo project, Dark Holler. Or you might just know her from being a super cool human. Anyway, I'm excited for you to hear Claire's music and insights in this episode. So here she is with an old song called Floodplains. That was Claire Delaney with an old song, Floodplains. Claire, welcome to the Old, New, Borrowed, and Blues podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you, and I'm really glad you played that song. We'll get into that song in a little bit, but let's just start with you saying like a little bit about yourself and maybe how you came to songwriting. Hmm. 
Well, I think it's always kind of been, melody has always been present in my life, I guess is what I should say. I um, largely grew up in Lincoln, Nebraska, but prior to that, I lived in a really um, rural area in a very small town, like maybe 600 people or less. And so I spent a lot of my time outside as a child, like just wherever, I don't know, like walking around. I had this neighbor who had like two lines of big pine trees and I would always go like run in between those trees and like pretend that it was like forest, you know, um, cause it was Nebraska, so it was plains. And <laughs> um, I would spend just like tons of time outside, just like making up you know, like little kids do, just yeah. like making up songs and like singing them to the earth <laughs> or whoever, you know, and um, that's just like always been something I've done. I've always had like little melodies in my head, but I don't, I don't know the first time that I ever tried to deliberately write a song um, in any kind of concrete way. I was probably in high school, you know, because that's like also the time where I was like really getting into like poetry and, um, you know, all of those ends of the creative spectrum and um, music had always been uh, a part of my life. And I guess I just got to a place where I wanted to make a song that I could remember how to play. I think that was like the, yeah. <laughs> the main thing was like, I had like, made up all these like songs and melodies and like la la not in the world you know but it was like nothing that i could remember or like ever do again um which is like special in its own way yeah. but i yeah i think i just wanted to make something that i could remember how to do and that was you know how i started writing songs i guess um so did you like grow up uh like poetry happened and music happened like separately and then you kind of put them together in high school so i came to music before any of music and reading i think really i mm -hmm. guess would like if i had to boil it down would be like the foundation of like all of my interests in art because i when i was younger i was a, a have, like a, an avid reader reader that's like all i did was read um i was very very shy and um i started learning saxophone when i was in fourth or fifth grade whatever year that is that they're like it's time for you to learn an instrument now yeah and I really wanted to learn the drums actually and they wouldn't let me do it um so I learned why not song. I don't know <laughs> come on <laughs> they just <laughs> I think they had you know like two kids who already wanted to play the drums and they were like this is enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yes yeah, so I learned saxophone which actually ended up being awesome because I grew up with a lot of jazz music in my home mm -hmm. so um learning saxophone was kind of cool but so I started learning that instrument and then I always loved singing singing was like just a part of who I was as a child and then when I got a little bit older into high school I was like well I can't sing and play saxophone at the same time so what can I do mm -hmm. you know to like accompany myself so I could learn how to play songs and um I would actually, uh, <laughs> I would skip classes in high school and go lock myself in the in the band and choir practice rooms, and yeah. I, so I could use their pianos. So oh, I would awesome. start learning piano by ear with like certain songs I wanted to learn, and that was my first sort of like accompaniment 
accompaniment yeah. instrument. Um, I didn't come to guitar until later in high school, like maybe junior or senior year of high school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you share these songs you were writing with anybody off the bat or absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) I I was like super secretive about it um yeah I mean I actually well so I was in a band I'm remembering now in high school when I was like six 15 maybe Mm -hmm. um with just like my closest best friends and it was actually kind of like a it was like a post-hardcore band and I was like the vocalist and lead singer and you know like Oh man, if you can like remember being 15, it's just like the pinnacle of like unfounded anger yeah. and just like, <laughs> you know, rampant emotions that you do not understand but can only express mm-hmm. <laughs> in certain ways. And um, yeah, so I was in this band and I started writing lyrics um, for, for that band and that was kind of probably my first experience with like writing lyrics for a song and then like singing them and coming up with the melody and doing all of that and it was like really awful um because <laughs> you know yeah I was 15 but um I think it was probably probably like influential in my you know formation of songwriting <laughs> yeah did you so did you come from a musical family uh like other people in your family were they playing music and writing songs or anything like that? Mm. So I don't really know um, because I was raised by my grandma okay. and um, my parents were kind of in and out of my life in adolescence. And I know for sure that my dad um, has always been a vocalist. So it's like singing was something he did from a young age too. And um, yeah, and, and he's now in this like classic rock cover band and that's like his outlet which is really cool (laughs) um but yeah so so for my dad I guess he's definitely a musical person but I didn't really grow up with anyone like any figures in my life who I knew you know played instruments or wrote songs or anything like that really but my grandma who raised me really loved music and Mm -hmm. um would put like would play music a lot I mean not on an instrument but just you know like I would hear a lot of music growing yeah. up. So, what did she think of the post-hardcore band you were in? <laughs> she actually wasn't alive to oh, see it. Okay. Yeah, she passed away when I was thirteen. Um, so she, I imagine she would not have liked it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, who knows? Maybe she would have Maybe. like showed up and been <laughs> like headbanging with everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think she would. <laughs> um, so let's talk about this song you just played, uh, mm-hmm. Floodplains. Um, where does that song come from in your life, and, and why did you choose to play it for me today? So that song is probably um, like three years old now, um, and it kind of was born out of me Wow, that's a horrible thing to say on a microphone. <laughs> it <laughs> it uh, came into this earth because I decided I wanted to write a song with two chords. That was like, I had been playing guitar for a few years and I was just 
doing that thing that I think a lot of guitar players do when they're new to it, where they like really want to overcomplicate everything. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you just want to add so much to your songwriting to like both challenge yourself, but also just keep things interesting, I think. Um, And I felt that in some ways that was taking away from like my songwritership and I wasn't really like, I found myself kind of catering my lyricism and my melodies to whatever like complex thing I was doing on guitar. And so I kind of just wanted to challenge myself to write something with just two chords and let everything else do the work. And, um, during that time in my life, it was actually when, uh, I don't know if you remember, but like all those crazy floods happened and, um, the highway that I normally take to go back home to Nebraska to visit was like completely underwater. Like there were, it was just like so surreal to see. And even still there are like barns almost completely underwater. Um, they're still recovering from that. But so like all of that song was written pretty much like on the drive to and from, uh, Nebraska. And so it's, um, definitely heavily influenced by that. Like I just remember, of many of the words coming to me while driving so yeah that's that's really like definitely the feel I kind of got it's like I was trying to figure out are you stuck in Lincoln or are you trying to get to Lincoln mm-hmm. and, and so I, I've kind I've kind of put those pieces together in my mind and also uh, yeah I, I get it um, that comes through in the song really well um, I also correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think it rhymes Oh man, I'm I've never thought about that. Um, that, and I, I really like that. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't think there are any rhymes in the song, unless you're allowed to rhyme ooh with ooh, I, which I, if you're you a, if you're a rapper, you are mm-hmm. allowed to rhyme <laughs> the same word with the same word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've never thought about that. I guess it doesn't. Yeah. I think that's really cool that you did that without even noticing because I've sat down and I've tried to write a song that didn't rhyme and it, it didn't work out. But I, I feel like the words you've chosen to end each phrase have like a good enough sound where they mm-hmm. fit together well. And I think that's that's really cool. Thank you. I, you know, I think I do in a lot of my songwriting use more slant rhyme than I do mm-hmm. straight rhyme. And I don't really know if that's super intentional. I think a lot of that just comes from a place of, I don't want to, I want to be intentional about my words and I don't want to just choose a word because it directly rhymes with another word. Right. You know what I mean? So yeah. a lot of times I'll incorporate something that's like sort of a rhyme or, you know, has a nice cadence to it. Yeah. So, um, when you're writing, what's your, what's your go-to process? How does it usually I think it really depends on the song. Um, a lot of the time, I will just find a riff on a guitar and I will play it until I'm like in like a hypnotic state, you know, yeah. and just playing it over and over and over and over until something happens. Until usually it's a melody. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm writing super organically, I think if I'm not like sitting down to write, but it's just something that's happening, that's usually the way that it happens. 
if I'm intentionally writing and sitting down to write a song, I think more often I'll take a riff that I really like and then find words first um, that I feel like match the mood of what I'm playing and then I'll fit a melody into that. Yeah. But yeah, it just kind of depends on what song it is and what it calls for, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, you've recorded Floodplains on an EP, which I really, really like, um, under Dark Holler. Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about um, what Dark Holler is, who Dark Holler is, and um, also maybe recording that EP a little bit? Sure. Um, Dark Holler is just me. It's just, um, you know, the name I go under for, for my solo stuff, I guess. Um, which I really struggled with <laughs> yeah. um, naming just because I've never been good at naming things. I've never been good at naming songs, at naming projects, at naming essays that I've had yeah. to write for school. Um, I think a lot of that comes from just a place of, I like to imagine that things are very nuanced and are more than one thing. So mm -hmm. naming something feels just like permanent and restrictive. Yeah. But um, I knew I didn't want to use my own name, and so I was like, I just have to, I just have to use something. So, Dark Holler, it's just, it's kind of um, harkens back to like old folk and country music because mm -hmm. that phrase, some Dark Holler, you know, that's like a, a pretty heavily used phrase, um, or like notion, um, in in those styles of music. And I also grew up listening to a lot of that kind of music, so I guess it kind of reminds me of where I come from a little bit yeah um but yeah I so recording the EP I did it almost entirely by myself um I did have the help of some friends who were kind and generous enough to like kind of help me through the process since it was my first time recording something on my own and mm -hmm. it was my own stuff so you know that's like always a um kind of a, uh, an intense space to be in, um, especially with, you know, a solo project where it's like mm -hmm. deeply personal, like vulnerable songs. You just, you really want to get it right. And it's, re anybody who's recorded their own music will tell you, like, it's so hard to both be running the session and be recording. Yeah. Um, because I think just recording in itself, like, takes so much out of you. Um <laughs> that it can be really exhausting to also have to be the per person to like press the buttons and make sure that like things are on and levels are good and all of those things. So um, yeah, it was definitely like a, a challenging process and I basically just like locked myself away in an attic for like a month and just did it. And you know, it's by no means um, like a perfect recording. I, there's a lot of, stuff that I wish that I would have done differently. And yeah. of course, if I had recorded it in a studio and had, you know, like people, other people to help me um, in a studio setting, it would have sounded a lot different. Um, and I could have added a lot more instrumentation probably, but I was kind of just operating in this zone of like, I just really needed to get the songs out yeah. because I was really, I was in the process of writing new things and I felt like I hadn't been able to let go of those songs yet. And I had also never recorded anything of my own before. Like nothing that just I wrote had ever been recorded. So I just felt like it was something I needed to do for myself to 
to like honor myself in that way mm-hmm. and just be able to move forward. And that was really like <laughs> that whole process was an exercise in doing that of just like letting go and moving forward, I think. Yeah, well, I'm really happy you did it. And um, I think like any imperfections you might hear in it, I, I find it all like really real and really, um, really cool to hear. So thank you so much. Yeah. Um, now we're going to move on to the new song from Claire Delaney called Motion.
That was Claire Delaney with a new song called Motion. Claire, um, what's changed since writing Floodplains and even like before Floodplains? What's changed in your songwriting process over the years to bring you to Motion? Um, I think that... I think my lyricism has improved. I've always struggled with walking that fine line of not giving the listener too much information, but just enough so that it's relatable, right? Mm Because you need that, like, point of relation. Um, And, you know, some some songwriters feel totally differently about that. Some, like, love just, like, completely burying their soul and just saying exactly what they mean. And there's, you know, you don't have to read between the lines at all. And some write entirely a metaphor. And that can also be really beautiful. But for me, I really struggle to find that that balance between those two because I think that makes really interesting songwriting because I don't like to give people everything but I want to give them something (laughs) so that we can connect and um, I think I've improved in that way (coughs) though I'm constantly working on it Um, and I also think that when I wrote floodplains I was definitely in this space of like I just wanted to sing like that Mm -hmm. was like I wanted to use my voice as an instrument and that was really important to me and I think that's something I'm still exploring but with motion I just kind of stayed in this like you know more like monotone register Mm -hmm. and just kind of let it be more about rhythm and cadence and lyricism and I like that I I knew right away when I started writing it that it like felt a little bit different to me than things that I had written um previously and that was interesting to me so I am hoping to try and expand upon some of those ideas yeah that's awesome um so what was the kind of inspiration behind this particular song if you want to talk about that Yeah, so, I mean, I think, like, just a really obvious general theme is, like, a theme of change, right? And Mm -hmm. um, that's something I've been exploring in my personal life a lot recently. Um, You know, there have been things, like, exteriorly that have, you know, things that are just out of your control sometimes where change happens and you have to adapt. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a lot of my childhood. A lot of my childhood, I, like had a lot of things going on and it was very confusing and I was in constant adaptation mode just like adapt and move forward and then as things settled down a little bit more in my adult life um I was sort of like left with this space of reflection and um coming to terms with you know things that had happened to me or things that I've been through and now that I had the space and the time to um, really like feel those things in yeah. a reflective way um, it felt scary you know yeah. and it felt I could feel myself kind of like peeling back the layers and becoming more vulnerable because I think something that a lot of us do in our childhood is like develop tactics to protect ourselves right through whatever it is that we're going through is like tiny people trying to navigate the world we develop these strategies for self-protection 
Um, but then if you get to a space in your life, if you're able to get to a space in your life where you feel a little more safe, um, some of those things start falling away and then you're left with some of those like uncomfortable feelings that are old but still really present yeah. that you didn't really deal with before because you were just, you know, in push forward mode. And so a lot of this song is about that process of um, some of those walls and protection methods coming down and what it feels like to really like truthfully like surrender and like feel change as Mm -hmm. it's happening and just coming to terms with it and accepting it um i think it's a lot of it is about that and also just about um timeline of experience because i think you know we tend to think of time as like a linear thing Mm -hmm. and things that have happened to us in the past or things that are happening now are like separate events but they all inform each other and for a lot of people those things are interactive and ongoing and so just kind of being able to embrace that notion that like everything that has happened is still happening and everything that's happening now will like continue to happen in some form or another but Mm -hmm. there are ways to um yeah just kind of embrace that and like lean into it even though it's terrifying you know (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so i think a lot of that song is about is about that yeah so uh it's it's kind of um in a sense, reflecting on things that have already happened, but acknowledging like they're still happening. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, and just like the incredible sense of vulnerability that comes mm-hmm. with accepting change. And um, that also comes with letting, you know, your guard down and just examining yourself, like your full self, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So when you write a song about a like particular moment in time, um, how do you capture that? And um, how is that different from kind of what you've written with motion? Mm-hmm. I think um, writing about a specific moment in time is more reflected in my instrumentation because I'm big on um, dynamism um, in terms of expressing internal emotions or like a present state of being. Does that make sense? So, you know, using like different strumming patterns or, you know, um, just loud and quiet dynamics to express like oh like really come across like this is how this is making me feel like Mm -hmm. inside my body and in my brain right now without having to say it in a lyric Um, or maybe you are saying it in a lyric but you're using those tools to really like emphasize that feeling um i think that's something that's a tool that i really like to use when i'm trying to express like this one feeling and this one point in time that i'm having Um, But with motion, again, I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about 
um, just like this kind of like static rhythm and like these same kind of chords and this like repetitiveness and mm -hmm. um, you know singing in a more limited range of vocals like it's it's you know kind of representative of that like this is kind of more of an all-encompassing feeling this is um, something that all people go through and yeah. it's you know something that I think I will be able to relate to at any point in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in the song, you, you mentioned a motel. Is, is that a real place? Audrey's Motel, yeah, that's real. Um, it's actually on the way to Lincoln. Oh, really? So I'm not kidding when I say like a lot of my lyrics. I mean, I've spent so much time driving back and forth between Kansas City and Lincoln since I moved here um, because there's a lot of people I care really deeply about in mm -hmm. Nebraska. And... Um, yeah, a lot of my more recent lyrics have really come out driving. That's just like, I don't know. It's just this space where my brain actually gets a little more quiet mm -hmm. and I just am able to observe and take in what's around me. And Audrey's Motel is just, it's this motel that's like on the way there. Um, I always see it and it just, I don't know, it's just like a little piece of imagery that was really prescient in my mind at the time. And yeah. I, I love the sound of it, Audrey's Motel. I don't right. know why I love yeah. the way it sounds. <laughs> yeah, there's certain words out there that just like instantly go into my notes app when people mm -hmm. say them. It's like, okay, this is a good word. I think but. also Audrey's Motel always reminded me of Twin Peaks. Okay. Because yeah. I'm, I'm a big Twin Peaks fan and the character Audrey, I mean, it's not her... It's not her motel, it's not her hotel, you know, mm -hmm. that is the show is taking place in, but she was always one of my favorite characters, and I think, like, seeing that on that drive just always reminded me of Twin Peaks and yeah. something ominous about it, you know, and when I put it in the song, it felt ominous, mm -hmm. and I liked that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's talk about, like, what you're currently working on, um, like, new projects coming out. I, I think you mentioned you been recording this week do you want to talk about like what's new yeah so um i have started a new band with a couple friends of mine and it's kind of like a, me a melding of this solo project and then my other friend Brittany's solo project together um it's called nidosphere and it's just it's I think we're all kind of viewing it as like a space to just like experiment and do whatever we want with it. Like we're taking these songs, but then also we're writing a lot of stuff together. And also Brittany and I both really wanted an opportunity to learn bass. And mm -hmm. so I play bass on her songs and she plays bass on my songs. And that's been really fun. Um, just being like an auxiliary yeah. piece. Um, and helping, you know, her songs kind of fully flesh out the way that they're going to that's been a really fun process so that's kind of where a lot of my musical energy has been lately um yeah yeah you also run sound at the rhino which is awesome do you want to talk about how um you view like running sound for other people uh like do you view that as some sort of artistic outlet or is it more like mechanical and and stuff like that yeah i mean it's both right like it's it's like any profession where you're using like digital tools to mm -hmm. or like any kind of tool really to make something happen but 
Um, so there's certainly like a mechanical, pragmatic side of it, but it's, um, I really think it is also very much like a creative expression because, mm-hmm. you know, the way that I run live sound is not the way that you would run live sound. So right. a, a show that I'm running will sound different than a show that you're running. And, I'll, you know, a huge percentage of that has to do with the artist playing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and instrumentation and equipment and all of those things. But I think there is this, um, this like subjective space of, oh, I'm going to make these adjustments because that's like, you know, my like personal preference for this sound right now. And the way that I feel that it will like best be, um, heard by the audience. And I don't know, I don't like to color other people's sound too much because Mm -hmm. I want, you know, them to be heard in the way that they want to be heard. I think that's really important. Um, But the thing I love most about running live sound so far, I'm still new to it, but I think the most fun thing is just like the problem solving. Like there are so many things that can go wrong during a show. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're the sound person, like it's, it's pretty much just like up to you to like a diagnose the problem and figure out what it is. And then like B you have to find the solution in an, like in an instant Um, Mm -hmm. because the show has to happen. Like, so um, yeah, so I really, it's, it's kind of like stressful, but I really love that. Um, just like that instant problem solving. I think that's, I think any, um, any career where problem solving, creative problem solving is a part of it. It's like a pretty creative career, you know? Yeah. All right. Now we are going to transition to the borrowed song, a cover of You Swan Go On by Mount Geary. As good as I could possibly imagine my life getting dim After I met you The way you reached inside my chest and pulled out things and sent them off in breaths And as good as it got with all the layers peeling off And though I arrived, I could not upset you With your hand at my throat, you held on to my heart and pumped blood through And then it's time to go That was a cover of You Swan Go On, originally by Mount Erie, performed by Claire Delaney. Claire, what made you choose this particular song to cover? Well, um, I, like I mentioned to you before, I don't perform a lot of covers. Yeah. Um, I do play a lot of covers at home, just by myself. I think that's 
a lot of people learn instruments that way and I think that's a really good way to learn instruments because you're um, learning different playing styles mm -hmm. that you you know might not otherwise learn in a more traditional setting which I really like and it also it helps me a lot with like natural pacing and timing of things um, because if I know a song really well I know how um, that musician performs it and mm -hmm. sort of like their lyrical pacing and um, all those kinds of things but I think that song because I just love Phil Elverum he's he does Mount Erie and he's also of the microphones um, and he's just like an incredible songwriter I think he does a great job of illustrating that thing that I was talking about earlier of like walking that line of just like I'm gonna give you just enough so yeah. that you can you know like dip your toes in the water of what we're talking about here but then I'm going to expand upon it in a way where there's so much left for interpretation and I really love that and also all of his imagery is just so beautiful um, and so yeah I guess in some ways I picked it because I love him as a songwriter but I also like it's a very short song so I was <laughs> like short and sweet let's do it I <laughs> I um yeah, I struggle with performing um, performing covers because it's intimidating, right? Yeah. It's like, especially if it is something you really love, because you wanna you wanna honor that thing, and it's really hard to um, I don't know, like separate yourself mm -hmm. from it. If that makes sense. Do you like? I'm not familiar with the song you just played, mm -hmm. uh, but do you put your own spin on things a little bit? Or do you just try and play it kind of straight to what they do? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that one's pretty straight. Um, the strumming pattern that he uses is slightly different than the one that I do. And that happens kind of often. Like, usually when I'm learning a cover, I'll learn it the way that it's played. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'll make adjustments as needed for, you know, vocal range or like, um, yeah, just like cadence and things like that if I want to shake things up a little bit but that one I didn't do too much too. <laughs> so where do you find your like songwriting voice through other people's voices and like the media and uh, other things you consume? Hmm it's kind of a big question. Um I I like I said when I was younger I've read a lot I um, just read a ton of books when I was young because I was very, very shy and I was always really into um, fictional like world building. Mm -hmm. That was like a huge thing for me as a kid. I think it is for most kids because like you have this amazing expansive imagination that is like unbogged by, yeah. you know, adult life. And so those kinds of things appeal to you more as a child. Um, but yeah, so I always was like, a super avid reader, um, especially when I was younger. Film, too. I love watching movies. Movies is, movies are, like, comforting mm -hmm. to me. But I also... It's weird. I enjoy movies that are uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I mentioned Twin Peaks earlier, but, like, I'm a huge, like, David Lynch fan. And mm -hmm. just, like, you know, these kind of directors who take really mundane things and 
twist them into these weird, uncomfortable kind of, they just kind of explode them on a scale that doesn't make sense. And I really love that. Um, But yeah, so I I love movies. I love reading. I, um, music has always been huge in my life. I've never had a time in my life where I wasn't listening to music. Um, I love musicians too, who are world builders, like, um, like Kate Bush, like Mm -hmm. she does such an amazing job of just like, she'll have one idea and then she'll create an entire environment around it. And, um, she was really big into making music videos before music videos were really a thing. That was just like, is something she loved doing. And, um, that was super influential to me too, especially in recent years. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, it's a little bit of everything. Um, I, and I think that's how most people are, you know, yeah. it's like most people aren't like, oh, I only read books, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, I think we're all kind of amalgamations of all of these different kinds of influences. And honestly, like even, you know, non-traditionally creative things are influential to me too. Like conversations that I'll have with people Mm -hmm. can be extremely influential to me, not only in the way that I think about things, but also in, you know, in terms of like speaking. And um, I think you mentioned earlier, like sometimes someone will say something (laughs) to you, you'll just like jot it down on your phone because it sounds really interesting. Um, Yeah. I think like conversation is a huge influence on me too yeah you kind of mentioned um like movies that make people uncomfortable a little bit how do you how do you think you do that uh like in your music or like i I feel like there's some like dissonant chords in there and stuff like that do you Mm -hmm. is that kind of your make them a little bit uncomfortable yeah i guess i never really thought about it in like an intentional way like that but i do i know that i love to especially in the songs I've been writing lately, I love to take like a really like standard, beautiful chord and Mm. then just like bring something down a half step and make it really tense and weird for a moment and then bring it back because I feel like that's how life is. You know, it's like we experience these things that are, can be beautiful, but then at the same time are very nuanced and Mm. can either become very uncomfortable or unsettling or they just are that way by nature because I really think that most things in life are are more than just one thing you know and so I yeah I guess in some ways that is kind of like my version of of making things a little a little I guess in my mind more realistic right because um yeah nothing is completely idyllic and beautiful all the time but there's also beauty in uncomfortability and like ugliness and like you know these like sort of like primal raw emotions Mm -hmm. and things that we experience as humans yeah i mean that's very well put who are some of your like biggest musical influences my musical influences are constantly expanding right and I feel like I go through periods of like I'll have like a month where I'm like I'm only listening to old country this month and then I'll have a month where I'm only listening to like 
80s post-punk, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, uh, you know, or I'm like, I only listened to The Cure this week. And like, (laughs) um, or like sometimes I have a month where I don't want to listen to any music with lyrics in it. And I really like would prefer like composition pieces Mm -hmm. or just like really like lo-fi stuff that's just way dialed back you know so yeah and i think that's true for a lot of people i think we all like constantly are building upon our uh, again on our influences um so i guess in like a timeline way i don't know when i was young i was really into jazz because again my my grandma raised me and she was into jazz and i um i think a lot of my love for singing um came from that place because i was super into um, musicians like Nina Simone and, and Billie Holiday and just like these like beautiful um, jazz singers and uh, and piano players and and so that I think kind of influenced a lot of my like sense of melody mm-hmm. uh, which is funny because jazz isn't like traditionally a place of melody yeah. right but um, but yeah and then also I grew up listening to a lot of folk and country like old folk and country, you know, like classics, um, just like, like John Prine and like, just like the greats, yeah, you the know, greats. like <laughs> Graham Parsons and like all those, like those songwriting heroes out there. Um, RIP to both of them. But I, <laughs> yeah. So, so that was like kind of my more formative years. I think I was exposed to some really good music, which, mm-hmm. um, I'm very like fortunate for, um, because I remember what was on the radio at the time and I remember hating it yeah. <laughs> as a kid. Um, but yeah, and then, I don't know, as I got into high school and middle school, you know, those are like your super like angsty, like confusing years. So I got into like some harder music yeah. and more like guitar based stuff and just like some like weirder noise rock and I think I mentioned System of a Down yeah. earlier that those guys were like huge for me in high school I really wanted to play a System of a Down cover but um I could never do it justice um so yeah so moving out of that when I went into college I think was when I sort of got more into like like I said like more of like world building music so people like Kate Bush and um weirdly like David Bowie missed me as a child really? yeah, yeah I like that that I somehow like I sidestepped that uh-huh. um but then I yeah explored some of that in college and um and yeah, and like now I, I've like rekindled this love of like 80s music. I love so much stuff that came out of the 80s. Like yeah. I think some of the best pop music ever made came out of the 80s, but also just like just some other like really incredibly textured things, which I love. I'm, I'm all about texture in music. If it's not stripped down songwriting for me, it's texture. Like mm-hmm. I, I just... I played synth for a long time and that was like my favorite thing about it was just adding depth and texture to, to other people's songs. I love that. Um, did that answer? Did that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's, I feel like anybody could talk all day long about their influences, but yeah. Yeah, and I, I definitely kind of like hear that in you, like 
there's some John Prine, but there's also some David Bowie too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's that's a really cool like intersection to, to be at. Mm-hmm. So Thanks. Yeah. All right. Now we are going to hear the saddest song that Claire's ever wrote. This song is called User Error.
Alright, that was a sad song from Claire Delaney called User Error. Claire, let's let's talk about sad songs. <laughs> do you do you find yourself writing a lot of sad songs? Um, yeah, I mean I think initially when I came to songwriting it was all sad songs. Cause that's just I think that's everyone's default when yeah. you start writing songs. Because those are the things that you want to explore, right? It's like I know what it's like to feel happy and I know what it's like to feel content and um, you know sadness is complex and anger is complex not that happiness isn't complex mm -hmm. but I just think that especially a lot of people who are new to songwriting that's just like the easiest avenue to start exploring because they're again these like uncomfortable feelings that yeah you don't really um, talk about a lot with like other people in your life when you're having them, mm -hmm. you know, at least I, I wasn't. So it's, uh, yeah, it was just kind of a way for me to explore some of those things. But now I'm trying to, you know, kind of move in a direction with songwriting that reflects more of, of how I feel about um, emotions not being one static thing, you know, they're subject to change and they're subject to growth and um i think when i first started writing songs it was much more like like we talked about earlier like this is how i feel in this moment right now yeah. and it will never be okay you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or like i really just need to express what it is right now and i think for me songwriting helps me figure out for myself what it is mm -hmm. that's bothering me you know because a lot of times I'll have an uncomfortable emotion and I don't know why and then if I work it out through a song I'm like oh that was why and that happens so often where I'll write a song I have no idea what I'm writing it about and then three months later after the song is done and I'm looking back on it I'm like oh that's what that song was yeah. about like <laughs> you know and I love that yeah, I do that all the time. It's like you sit down and you write a song and then you're like, what is this? And then like like even a year later, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. yeah. It, it's a good way to, to like process things and get things, get things out even if you don't really know that's what you're doing at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, where in your life does user error come from? Hmm. User if error. You're, if you're comfortable. Sure. Always, yeah. It's just, um, to me, that song is really about inadequacy, right? Like, mm -hmm. that feeling that we all have sometimes of, like, I'm not capable of being what I need to be right now or what this person wants me to be or what I think I should be. Um, and user error is just kind of my way of telling myself, like, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you can't figure out a way to, like, be good enough for yourself, that's a user error. Like, you, <laughs> like you have to rework the way that you view that because if you don't, you, you never will be mm -hmm. good enough for yourself. And that's, and in that respect, you can't be fulfilling, you know, in any way if you're not if you're not to yourself I guess if that's what I if that makes sense yeah. and so yeah it's just kind of you know it's about some specific things in my life specific experiences I had but I think generally it's very much about you know just yeah inadequacy and mm -hmm. the ways that we 
struggle with um with like self-talk and our our it projected image of ourself you know because there's like this version of me that I have in my mind that is capable of being an amazing friend and like a supportive person and all of the beautiful things that I'm capable of being Mm -hmm. and when I'm not being those things um I'm really hard on myself right you know yeah I I totally get that and relate to that so Mm -hmm. yeah Why do, like, so we've kind of talked about why we as songwriters like to write sad songs. Why do we as listeners gravitate towards sadder songs? What what are we looking for if we know it's just going to, like, maybe make us sad? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I think in the same way that it helps to talk to somebody else, like outside of your own brain and your own self-talk when you're sad, mm-hmm. it helps to listen to somebody else express themselves about sadness because sometimes um, the things that other people have to say about something are more relatable to us than the things that our brain tells us. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like often my self-talk will get so loud And I know that, like, 90% of it is incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's really refreshing to hear somebody else voice a feeling that I've also had or an experience that I've also had in a completely different way than I would or maybe Mm -hmm. using different words than I would. It just feels comforting to me. I don't know. (laughs) How does it feel performing sad songs for people um is is there a sense of like vulnerability that you still feel or are you kind of able to separate that out whenever you're you're performing Mm -hmm. I was actually just having this conversation with uh, one of my bandmates it's difficult because as a performer again it's it's like walking a line right of I'm allowing myself to be vulnerable enough here to connect and that's really important but also you have to you have to divide yourself enough Mm -hmm. because if you're giving all of it every time you're gonna break down (laughs) like you can't you can't live in that moment while you're performing fully because it's too painful to do that um, and you're, at least for me, and I wouldn't be able to, <laughs> you know, perform the way I need to or whatever. Um, so yeah, so I think, again, it's just like a balance of, of allowing yourself to be vulnerable enough so people can see you mm-hmm. um, and can connect with what you're saying. But yeah, you have to remove a little bit <laughs> to like get through the song. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... Um, no, I don't think performing sad songs is any different for me than performing any other type of song. It's still, if I'm doing it right, it's still an authentic part of me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No matter what kind of emotion it's conveying. So in it, inherently it's going to be vulnerable and inherently it's going to feel a little scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, so don't like to end on sad notes. I mean, I, I've, in the past, I've asked kind of a 
broader question about happiness in life, but um, I feel like you're going to be the guinea pig, and I'll give you a more <laughs> a more specific question. Um, what is your like happiest part of your music career specifically that you've like your your maybe your biggest musical accomplishment or or maybe your best time playing music? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Hmm, that's tough. I've been in several bands in the past, and it's always really fun because I am lucky and I've always been in bands with people that like I love deeply. Yeah. <laughs> and people, and also I'm incredibly lucky to be surrounded by incredible musicians. So generally the people that I work with and collaborate with are just like a joy to be around and so fun to, um, to play music with. Um, and I think probably like, although I do this solo stuff and in some ways I feel like it's a necessary exercise for me to do that in order to mm-hmm. let go of these things. I think the most fun I have is when I collaborate with other people. And right now for me, that's this new band I'm working on. I, the people that I'm working with are so amazing and patient and talented and just, um, you know, there's nothing better than when you're like working with a group of people and like it all just clicks and yeah. nobody has to say anything. And it's like this like unspoken feeling of we're just like writing this out together for this brief moment and everything's aligned and it feels very human. Mm-hmm. It feels very, very, I don't know, close. And I love that. And that probably brings me the most joy out of any kind of music making. That's awesome. I, I love it. <laughs> um, where can people find you? Do you have social media accounts to plug? Or I know you have music on Spotify under Dark Holler. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can find Dark Holler stuff on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, all that stuff. Um, Nidosphere, we're going to start playing some shows soon. So awesome. you might see us around on some bills um yeah that's yeah that's where you can find me (laughs) awesome i'm i'm excited i will i will try and catch a show yeah claire thank you so much for coming on you've been a fantastic guest and yeah it's been a, a pleasure talking to you thank you so much for having me hi jack here i just wanted to thank claire again for coming on the pod and making some really awesome music You can find her music on streaming services under the name Dark Holler, and you should definitely go listen to her full EP right now. You can also find her new project, Nidospear, on Instagram. They've got a show coming up at the Farewell on March 5th, and I'll see you there. As always, if you'd like to check out some of my music, you can find that on all the streaming platforms under my name, Jack Summers. You can also stay up to date on all of my shows and other news by following me on Instagram at Jack Summers Music or by subscribing to my mailing list at jacksummersmusic.com. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Old, New, Borrowed, and Blues, and keep on keeping on.